Hello and welcome to Plan Francisco, the new podcast that interviews the best and brightest financial planning professionals in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz. I need a plan, a magic key. All right, Gerard Kambikian, thank you so much for joining us again. Really excited to talk to you. How are you doing? Great. Thanks, Max. Glad to be back. Good, good. So, yeah, I had a few questions prepared for today. Um, wanted to really dive into, obviously, what everything that's going on with um, the coronavirus, but mostly as it relates to the market and with the special um, you know, uh, inspection around what's happening in the fire movement. So, of course, we know that there was a huge downturn in the market. I think it was down to 35% at one point. The, like you mentioned, as we were talking before, uh, you know, small, hopefully promising little recovery here in the last week. But um, the fire movement, um, I, I will ask you to describe what that means in a second. But I think a lot of people have, um, have really come out of the woodwork to get their snarky commentary on how the fire movement people are really um, screwed for lack of a better term, now that they have a third less to draw from in their portfolios. Um, so uh, this abrupt change has obviously changed things for everybody, but could you just walk us through what the FIRE movement is and whether or not this criticism is really fair? Sure, happy to do so. So the, the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early, is the notion that you're trying to reach financial independence or financial security and make income optional. Mm -hmm. So that's on the extreme end is essentially having your paycheck be optional. Um, however, more realistically, the, the goal that most clients are, are working towards and many people in the fire movement are replacing some kind of gap between current income that they, that they are receiving and potentially moving to something that's more fulfilling in the future from a job perspective. And as a result, that would, of course, uh, bring, bring forth uh, less income. So they would rely on their assets to, to bridge the gap and essentially live off a portion of their assets. So that's what the, the notion is. Um, as, as you definitely said, the market has taken a pretty sharp decline in February, um, we have seen a little bit of a recovery so far. Um, however, the, there's, there's many factors that go into the FIRE movement. Um, the, the two main ones are, of course, assets and expenses. And it's important while we are in these crazy times due to coronavirus to revisit the things you can control, which is really expenses. Um, we cannot control, no one can control what the market does by, by any extent. Of course, you can diversify as much as possible, and that will mitigate a good amount of the risk that is dialed into to the market. Um, we're seeing in comparison to how the global markets are performing, a, a more diversified portfolio can uh, mitigate some of that risk. And it has, we, we've seen a lot of signs of success with that. But the, the one thing that you can control and that you should be focusing on more than anything else, and especially in these times, is controlling your expenses. And by just the nature of the beast that we're in, we really have no choice but to uh, not spend some of our money. So a lot of people which used to spend money on uh, big ticket items like dining out or shopping or travel, 
Um, a lot of those things are, whether you like it or not, not in the picture today. And that really has a tremendous impact on the, the fire uh, variables because yes, of course, while your, your assets have decreased, um, your expenses and the need for that income should theoretically also decrease. Um, if you're really ambitious and aggressive about it, you can even uh, make it so, yes, the portfolios have gone down anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30%, depending on how aggressively you are invested. Um, but it's also important to realize that your expenses may have gone down those, those amounts respectively as well. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, and if you are able to dial in your expenses, then it actually doesn't matter whatsoever that the global markets have, have declined because your expenses theoretically may have decreased just as much. That makes me feel a little bit better. I'll just break that news to my wife. She'll be pleased to hear too. So um, the, let's talk about the 4% rule a little bit. So how is that sort of a benchmark for the FIRE community? 4% has always been the, the main benchmark that a lot of people in the FIRE movement are, okay. are thinking about. Um, there are a little bit of, uh, there's a little bit of range in, in that. So some people are now dialing it down to maybe three and a quarter or three and a half. Um, the experts in, in, the, in this FIRE world, if you will, um, have always preached somewhere in the three to four range. So those numbers are still going to be accurate in my opinion. Um, the data, if you look back to even the, the 20s and 30s, 30s specifically, when the, the market was absolutely crazy, even crazier than today. Um, and if you started fire at that time, so the worst possible time to start, um, assuming you stayed consistent with that over your, your lifetime uh, or just over the lifetime of the market, that still has held true. So that actually makes me feel very confident that if you started it in the absolute worst time period of the market, which um, let's make it clear that a lot of people think that things are terrible right now. And while I would agree, that's nowhere near as as bad as it was either in 2008, also in in the thirties. There's a lot of stuff that's happened between now and then, but I still think it's important to contrast what's going on in the, in the world because it's, in my opinion, very different from what we were seeing previously in those crashes. So how was that rule determined? Any, any idea? It, was it just, um, you know, some genius wonks who went back and looked at the record and said, eh, 4% seems like it would have done the trick, or is it, um, is it rooted in the Monte Carlo principles or anything like that, or combination? It's a combination of, of quite a bit, but essentially it just comes down to how the uh, U.S. markets or just the global markets have appreciated over the last hundred years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's embedded in how much we can expect appreciation or portfolio growth, and still be able to sustain uh, distributions, whether it's on a monthly level or annual level. Um, part of that may be dependent on uh, dividends or interest being produced in the portfolio. So obviously there are a a factor of items to be considering. But it all comes down to, at the end of the day, just the net um, net return from the from the portfolio. And then, if you're really just distributing less than that net return, then theoretically it should be able to at least sustain those distributions, if not still grow over 
the time period of the account. So when you say net distribution, is that we're factoring in the taxes after the um, 4% or excuse me, before the 4%? So it's all a factor of, uh, I mean, taxes need to be accounted for somewhere. Yeah. So whether it's being reduced from your total income or it's being reduced from the, the portfolio. Yes. I mean, we want to factor in all fees and taxes into all equations, not only in regards to the, the buyer distribution rates, but just anytime you're dealing with financial planning taxes, of course, are important. Yeah, no, for sure. And, but not really that, you know, it's not that pervasive in the overall discussion, I would say. I mean, and I don't go deep too often into, you know, what we're talking about, but what you see in podcasts and headlines and Kitsis articles, although he's done good work on this, I've done my research since, but I feel like the things that sort of grab our attention are never related to the tax consequences of, of these types of um, you know, decisions and retirement strategies. So it's good to at least kind of have that um, as part of the discussion here today. I would say. Um, so with the 4% rule, I mean, would you say that it, it, it's not just like a 50-50, like some people, the 4% wasn't pulled out and, and we're looking at like half the people are going to succeed with that 4%. You were saying in the, the depths of the worst market economy, um, somebody would still have a high degree of success if they use that 4%. Yep. So again, just to go back to the, the numbers here, we want to make sure that all things are equal in this comparison, right? Right. So yeah. We want to make sure that no one is trying to time the market, for example, which time and time again has been proven to not be effective and not work. Um, we want to make sure that portfolios are at least somewhat adequately diversified because if you're just looking at one index even or even worse, just one company, yes, companies have been around for that long, but you can't count on the data from just one company or, or one index. So we want to make sure it's a, uh, a diversified um, data set that we're looking at from a, from a portfolio perspective. And then we also just want to make sure that, uh, that you're not exceeding those amounts. So this is the important part of, of financial planning because the FIRE community says 4%, if you do that forever, you're going to be great. And let's assume that's true. Um, the financial planning, as, as you well know, Max, it's all about encountering the things that you're not planning for. So when are you uh, working with clients who are factoring in getting divorced or they're having a death, right? You don't factor those things in or uh, a major health issue or, hey, a disability. Um, these are not things that people say, hey, I'm planning to do, I'm planning to get disabled in the next five years, right? So okay. that's the important part. Um, yes, 4% works or 3.5% or whatever you want to call it. You can even go higher um, depending on how early or late you are in, in the fire mix. Um, but the important part is, are, is your plan able to sustain the, the non-planned events that are realistically going to go much above 4% in a given year or even a given set of years? And then would you be able to sustain going forward? that part is usually the, the, the make or break part of the plan. It's not the, the planned distributions because we have all the data to support that. And it's very, very easy to say yes or no, you're going to run out of money. Um, what's almost impossible to say is, hey, if these different things happen at different time periods, how okay are you going to be? And then if we 
uh, let's just say Murphy's Law strikes, and then we have additional uh, things that are going on in your, in your life, and then the market tanks as well. So all these different things that go on, and that's what's really going to be uh, trying the, the success of financial plans versus if it's just based on, um, on the data that, is, that holds to be true, like the fire, fire uh, distributions. So with that, with those distributions, I mean, we're talking, obviously, we're sort of in the midst of this pandemic. There's no sort of that. We are fully in the midst of the pandemic right now and kind of still dealing and processing with a lot of the, the market aftermath and, and just all the economic challenges that are coming along with it in our community, in our state, in our country. Um, when you're not immediately facing a huge event like this, um, what does the 4% rule look like most of the time? I mean, for most retirements, is that, are people still kind of, kind of like coming close to depletion or is there a good chance that they never even like tap into their principal in those situations? Yep. If you really are very disciplined in the sense that from a cash flow perspective, you're not using anything above 4%, realistically, a lot of people are going to be um, living, uh, I'm sorry, they're going to be uh, using less money than they than they have, mm -hmm. so that in that case they will be leaving a lot of money left over, um, and there's additional advantages that that you can be taking care of in that situation. But uh, yes, if if you really are um, distributing a from a data perspective a very low rate of distributions, then there I have a high level of confidence in saying that there really isn't any time period. Um, that, that it would drastically impact the success of your portfolio. Now, obviously, every time is different because we constantly get reminded of that. Yeah. But I'm convinced that unless it's the end of the world, and if that's true, then nothing we're talking about today matters at all. <laughs> but if that's not true and, and things will go back to normal at some point, then, then I am confident with, with the FIRE strategy. Very good. What are some of the other surprises that you've seen with regard to the fire movement or anything like that? I mean, we, we haven't really tapped into, I guess, what the psychology is when you finally get to that stage, but have you seen any trends or anything that people just haven't really planned for when they're thinking about just the numbers? The numbers are easy. The non-numbers are incredibly complex and difficult. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to plan and save, right? It's, it really all just comes down to numbers. You need to save X for this amount and invest it and you'll be fine. Um, what many people I've seen not plan for and not provide sufficient uh, mental thought to was what are they actually going to be doing once they achieve this? So work is basically an option in this case now where you've achieved fire. Uh, financial success and and they get bored very quickly if they don't have a plan set in place um, it's really no different than someone who's turning 65 roughly and wanting to retire because that person worked their entire career and they they had a career and a routine and then uh, day one of retirement hits and they don't have a plan and then <laughs> And that is also a part of the, the plan that 
you may run into issues with because what do people do when they're bored? They spend more money. Right. And Every day is a Saturday. And that is potentially going to jeopardize their their entire plan they've worked so hard to build for. Interesting. Very cool. All right. Well, anything else you wanted to get out there immediately to the people in response to the, the COVID crisis that we're facing? Specifically with the corona crisis that we've been seeing, I think it's very important to remind ourselves back to where we were even 10 or 12 years ago and just remind ourselves that stocks do carry a risk diversification is important and you should only be focused on the things that you can control and no one that I have met or have talked to or listened to can control the market. So there, in my opinion, is no any valid concern to try to, to, to control the market and worry about it more. Um, instead, what you can do is focus on controlling expenses, making sure you're diversified making sure your plan is in line with what you actually are doing. And from there, let the markets take control and no idea when things will go back to the way they were, but it's important to have faith in your plan and, and they eventually will. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate all the sage wisdom and, um, you know, we'll get through this, I think. But uh, I, I hope, hope to share some of your faith here in the near future as well. Thanks, Max. Thank you. And thanks for coming to Plan Francisco. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. Please be sure to subscribe and visit us again soon here at Plan Francisco.